This episode of the Colton Culture Podcast is presented by Thunder Road Guitars. Thunder Road Guitars is the Pacific Northwest best source of premium, new, used, and vintage guitars, amplifiers, and pedals. Online or in their Seattle and Portland shops, you'll find fantastic customer service and a terrific vibe. Real people offering real service. Use code ColtCulture10 to get 10% off at www.thunderroadguitars.com. Cyber season is in full swing with our pals Isotope and Native Instruments. Get huge discounts on everything from Guitar Rig 7, complete 14 bundles, and one of our favorites here at the Colton Culture Podcast, Ozone 11 EQ. Go to isotope.com and nativeinstruments.com to feast on the audio goodness. Yum. You can also get additional savings on other softwares by using the code RUIN10. DistroKid now also has a motherfucking app. The DistroKid app is available for iOS and Android. You can download it at distrokid.com forward slash app forward slash. Or you can get it in the app store. Fuck. Alright, that's we're rolling. Rolling. Planet P presents 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 Colton Culture Podcast. Welcome to episode 18 of the Colton Culture Podcast. I'm Justin Pearson. This is Luke Hinshaw. This episode features Brian Amalfitano and Tommy Meehan, um, both of Deaf Club, um, which was an interesting and sort of odd um, thing for me to uh, to, to kind of initiate. But um, yeah. awesome dudes, awesome guitar players. Great. Yeah. Wild, like, how they work together, man. They have, like, the craziest chemistry. And I don't know. Who would have thunk? Uh, it worked out great. Um having them in a, in a band together, but it also worked out awesome to have them on a podcast. So <clears throat> um, I guess my my initial idea was to like discuss their insane pedal um, collections. <laughs> their pedal boards are, in, are wild and, and, the, and then how they kind of approach music um, and all their various projects, not just Def Club, but um, yeah, I don't know. It was, it, was, it was cool to kind of dive into that. And also they have really strange... Um, in my opinion, strange um, influences, uh, mm-hmm. which, you know, I guess when you know the influences, then you can kind of go like, oh, I see where that's coming from. If you didn't know, though, you... you yeah, you, you wouldn't, wouldn't guess it. And, and also, too, I kind of wish I didn't know sometimes. I know. <laughs> I, Tommy's is pretty weird. <laughs> I was like, whoa. But then I got it. Yeah. So... I mean, also, too, the fact that Tommy's been part of scoring really cool cartoons makes a lot of sense as to why he does what he does or how he does what he does it all kind of seems encompassing cool okay so uh we're gonna we're gonna dive into this uh this podcast um and explore these guys um guitar technical abilities um so without further ado here we go Hello, gentlemen of Dev Club. <laughs> Yo. Uh, you, would you like to introduce yourselves and maybe give your um, a brief, relevant background of, of, of each of you, uh, your, I don't know, your places in the planet, on the planet, in the universe? I'm Brian Amalfitano. Uh, I used to be in a bunch of bands. Uh, I guess I played in power violence bands and things like that before. I was in Antichrist Demon Corps and... Uh, I've been playing music for a good 
couple of decades now not making money so yeah life's good oh so you're a professional <laughs> i'm a professional yeah, yeah. i'd like to think money. so yeah you run a record store too right i do have a record store i have a midnight hour records my brother also has uh his record store he's in san fernando i'm in san gabriel valley um and we both played in antichrist demon core so we sort of started uh playing sort of punk rock in like early like 2003 something like that i think the band started in la puente San Gabriel Valley, and it just sort of started with, uh, you know, backyard shows, punks and cholos and rockers and all that shit. And uh, the cool shit. Yeah, the cool shit. You know, when uh, people were playing power violence a lot in our area and sort of uh, Inland Empire, like Riverside, Fontana, you know, a lot of backyard parties and things like that, and everyone on meth. So, yeah. it, it, you know, it made it, it made it interesting. You know, it was like. Uh, <laughs> You know, let's play everything really fast, but everyone has a short attention span because, you know, they're all tweaked out. <laughs> so well, your brother's straight edge. He's straight edge, yeah. And I was straight edge till I was about 25 as well. So. If you're not now, you never were. Yeah, I know. I'm a poser. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, but, you know, um, yeah, there was a lot of that. Um, I think it was uh, there was Demon Crew and Chuff Crew was part of the, the IE and all these, like, different punk things. Uh, Elmani and Baldwin Park was a little bit more like street punk and like misfits and mm. sort of just Ramones and basic punk like that. But but it's true. I wasn't I wasn't uh, straight edge enough. You know, it was uh -huh. like, oh, like you're straight edge, but you don't listen to this music. So how are you straight edge? I was like, I didn't know how to be anything about music. Um, so it started with that playing in punk bands. But punk, I think, was more to me, at least just do it yourself or do whatever you like and uh, listen to whatever you like. Real and, punk. Real punk, I think, you know, um, but most punks at that point, especially in, I guess, junior high and high school, you just sort of, if you don't look a certain way, you know, you don't fit into that. If you're not, you know, dressed, if you're listening to hip hop, you have to dress a certain way. If you're listening to punk, you have to dress a certain way. If you're a raver, and I just kind of didn't fit into any of that, but I liked a little bit of everything. So, so you grew up in the Inland Empire? No, just sort of playing shows uh, for some San Gabriel Valley. So mostly... I grew up in La Puente, Azusa, Covina, West Covina. We moved around a lot, and then uh, we moved to Argentina. My family's from Argentina, so. Um, but I, so, like, for me, I'm sorry, because we live in awesome San Diego, and L.A. is just a big thing for yeah. us up there, all of it. But I know, like, Inland Empire was always, like, the man is the bastard people and, and stuff like that. So is that still part of Because that scene was pretty that scene was pretty diverse or open to weird Yeah, things. I think it's just also more... Um, the next generation or something, maybe? S San Gabriel Valley in the Inland Empire was a lot of Latinos, and so it was a lot of diverse music, you know, but you'd have punk, and then you'd go to a quinceañera and, you know, have Norteños and all sorts of different things. And um, so you were exposed to a lot more music, I think, you know, a lot of oldies, a lot of everything, yeah. whereas... Uh, like Cholo shit. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas maybe other areas are more hardcore. I don't think we were as hardcore, yeah. you know, as hard hardcore punk in, in that scene or whatever. And it's, you know, we never really associated with L.A. because L.A. Is, was further for us. You know, we oh. would go to like we take buses, you know, if there was like protests and stuff like that or oh. shows or whatever. But even then, I think we did more like Pomona, you know, go mm -hmm. to the Glass House. And mm -hmm. I think my first show was at the Glass House and it was uh total chaos and narcoleptic youth and <laughs> yeah. litmus green and like all these punk things yeah, and totally. and actually my uh, you know my mom uh, my brother went to that show 
and my mom was like, oh, uh, you should go in there just in case he gets in a fight or goes into the pit or oh, goes yeah, in yeah. whatever. And I'm like, what am I going to do? <laughs> yeah. Like protect them? You know? <laughs> <laughs> so it was kind of that. And it just started from there. And then um, we got more into like crust stuff and uh, dystopia and like sort yeah. of weird stuff. And, and he sort of went, you know, more power violence and more punk. And I went different ways. You know, I got into like no wave and experimental stuff. Mm. And, you know, and I thought like, which That's definitely punk. comes out in your your current band. Yeah, I try to put that a lot into Def Club, you know, sort of uh, weird chords and weird sounds and glitchy stuff and sort of uh, just things that you, you wouldn't expect in punk because it's supposed to be so fast, you know, and, and so now you're doing fast stuff with your feet as well. And, and there's not a lot of time for the like cadence of an effect. Yeah. yeah. Usually, you know, if, you, if you're playing like psychedelic or experimental, you have this drone or yeah. you could play a four-minute song, a seven-minute song, whatever, and you have time for these effects. But in our songs, it's like, oh, that, that song's a minute long, and how are you going to put all these effects in there and make it, you know, make it sound organic or yeah. you know natural you know to the song not just like you put a bunch of effects on it for the sake of effects mm-hmm. or whatever so yeah. so now that you've just taken up the entire podcast yeah yeah <laughs> how'd you meet this guy and tommy do you want to just roll with it and let us know what you because yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah um how did you you and i meet brian we, so we... def club we we got our first show because of the manx oh yeah right. and tommy was in the manx and uh and you guys had done stuff before so yeah 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 so justin and i had met um Pe- uh, peeing together oh yeah the very first time we met <laughs> yeah, we were peeing right next to each other yeah cartoon network justin came in to do um a voice for this show that i composed music for um called uncle grandpa and um yeah we wanted to get justin on we liked the locust so we um Said we should get Justin. That was like a dream come true. But it was funny because we first met. I was like, "Yeah, I don't know who this guy was. Like this metal dude, like peeing." And you're just like, <laughs> "I forgot what you said, but it was pretty awkward." You're like, "I love the locust" or something like that. I'm like, and my dick is in my hand. It was probably something yeah. like that. Um, <laughs> he flushed it for you. <laughs> um, yeah, and then we went into this this recording booth at Cartoon Network, and yeah. you did your thing, and, and um, I hung out, and it was fun. Yeah, and that's how we met, and kind of. Um, you you got hip to the Manx at that point. I already my, knew my, about my, the Manx, but like never really knew you guys. You know, yeah. I mean, it was just like this weirdo yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I did that band for like ten years, um, uh, and yeah, that's how we met Def Club. So we had this record release show. Um, it was your guys' first show, right? It was our first yeah. show. We played we at the Bootleg Theater, R.I.P. And you guys were nice enough to let us play. Oh, yeah, we were stoked on it. I think at that point we only had the EP and we only had like five actual songs and we maybe played nine songs that that day and four of them we kind of just bullshitted our way through. Yeah. Um, Which you could maybe tell some of us bullshitted more than others. But, uh, and then Tommy had offered to um, start playing with us as a sub. So we were like, you know, if the possibility of, of going on tour arose, uh, we might need other members because we uh, not all of our members could tour for a month or two months. Mm-hmm. People have jobs and you know, shit like that. Most of the, I think we don't, but the rest yeah. of the people have jobs. <laughs> and um, so Tommy started filling in on bass. Yeah, that's how I learned all the songs. Um, but then I learned them on the guitar and then I came in and just started playing guitar. So it, so for me, like it was weird because I went to the rehearsal and you were, you were I don't even think you were playing 
bass actually. I, I wasn't you, plugged in. I was yeah. just chilling. But I was like, this guy is the dude. We need him in our band. He's super weird and like, you know, no offense to the other people that we are the person that we don't have in the band. But I, I just thought like this guy is the coolest. Like let's get him in the band. And so it wasn't. I don't know. Like I guess it was like a premonition. But it, it wasn't until like um, a recent rehearsal that we had where there was, and this is no no dis. Um, on Jason's bass playing or being a bassist in the band because I love bass, but like he wasn't there and it was just the two guitars and it was, it was fucking crazy to like stand there and have your guys's guitar stuff be stereo in my in my ears. I was like, I've never heard this. Like right. I mean, I heard the record and stuff, but even the new songs and stuff. But like it was incredible to hear the the stuff happening and I was like, it's next level. I don't think a lot of um, for me like in in you know like maybe in. Uh, an example would be like in the locust where like everything's just kind of weird but it wasn't like two guitar players like playing harmoniously like in the locust it's like we're all trying to find a a, a frequency that we can sit in nicely because everyone's like you know there's bass and synth who, which can kind of compete and then i'm always trying to like well i'll just go over here and it's weird so um it was anyhow it was really nice because i've never been in a band with 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 two Oh no, I've been in about two guitar players, but never with like a ton of effects and stuff. And it was just really awesome mm. to to hear that. And I and I think that um, it made me appreciate you guys even more than I already did. Um, I was just like, there, you could tell that a lot of effort went into bringing the two strange sounds t together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Tommy put in a lot of work. I mean, I mean, <clears throat> the first EP, I tracked all by myself, and I just sort of put a bunch of pedals together. And it came out the way it came out, and I, I, I love the record. But the second one, Tommy had already been learning a lot of stuff, and, and we were talking a lot about pedals and how I use mine and how he should use his to sort of contrast that as well. And, you know, he he just can geek out with me on, on pedal stuff, you know, for hours and just get weird sounds, and it's like, oh, cool. Like, yeah, if you do this weird thing, I could do that. And, and so he's sort of like a you know a pedal guy like i was where again prior when we played at the bootleg like you know our former member didn't have the pedals yeah. that, you know or didn't really one thing about power violence was even in in acxdc when i was playing the band is like i didn't have effects pedals at all because it wasn't like necessarily acceptable it's not, for it's you. not mm -hmm. part of power violence yeah. you know it's just sort of plug into whatever might be there at that show and just play a distortion and <laughs> as fast as you can you yeah. know it's not even super tight at us you know it's, it's not like metal or something where you have to be proficient and yeah. sort of you know technical it's just play fast and slow down and then play fast again and um but tommy bring brought a lot of precision into def club and a lot of the extension of, of my pedal board and sort of, you know, complementary things. So you're both pedophiles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hopefully that, that was Hopefully. Caught, caught the right way. <laughs> pedal, pedal files. That's a new t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, so that yeah. could be our next tour t-shirt. Probably pedal files. Yeah. yeah. We have two pedal files in our band. <laughs> Can you pick them? Dancing on the edge there. <laughs> uh, I, I can't, I can't claim that. I think, um, I forgot who called Nick Zinner a pedophile. It had something to do with like um, Nick Cave or something. I don't know. Someone in someone in Nick Cave's band maybe called Nick Zinner a pedophile, and I was like, that is the fucking funniest thing I've ever heard. Um, yeah. So, um, I mean, I don't even know where to start because I mean, pedals are awesome, and it, like it's such a cool thing that I think a lot of people maybe don't explore that much, you know, and like finding strange sounds because some of the stuff that you guys come up with 
isn't re- I mean, there's melody or there's harmony in, in it, but it's not like, oh, that's that's like a A minor. You're just like, what the fuck is that? That sounds like an alarm in, in harmony with another alarm or, 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 you know, spaceship in harmony with another one, you know, a broken one or whatever. So, like, I, I mean, where do you start, like, I guess, with your structurally? Uh... I, th- I think, I mean, Tommy knows music a lot better than I do. So, um. So he's the real secret weapon. He is the secret. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, I mean, uh, there's uh, so there's things I think that move songs. You know, create movement in them. And I was sort of I always just like rhythm. I've started playing bass when I was really young, and it's like it was my first instrument. So I focus a lot on rhythm. And when I write with Scott, I try to get just sort of the core out of the way, and then sort of pepper it with uh, effects and when i was you know every punk band just plays drop d and plays the one finger thing and you just move your finger around and just you know whatever creates a song i wish the people listening could see that (laughs) (laughs) waving your index one one finger moving yeah Yeah. this is music right here um and so i also wanted deaf club to be uh sort of stand out from everything else that i've done I didn't want if, if it was going to be power violence, if it was going to be grind, if it was going to be something, it wasn't just going to be the one, you know, power chord moving around. Mm-hmm. So I started doing these weird chord shapes. And uh, luckily, Tommy knows how to move, you know, his hands quick to like, oh, yeah, if you do this then I could do this. And so we have sort of a, um, a language now in Def Club that it's sort of just our sound, yeah. you know, and um, but it was it's weird when people are just so used to just playing one way you know every time i sort of join a band i try to learn what they do you know because <clears throat> when i joined acdc like i didn't know how to play that fast i was just playing like in psych rock bands and you know with effects and all these things and um tommy could just nail it you know tommy's like hey here's this and he'll give you you know 50 ideas right away and i also try to take <laughs> what he does and go yeah 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 but maybe just do two or three that way it moves the song forward it does this it uh-huh. creates melody yeah I, I probably have more add than anybody in, in the band maybe because i always want to be changing stuff even more and brian will kind of like when we're landing on my guitar parts kind of that are meant to complement everything we kind of got to pull back a lot of times because i'd be like doing too many things maybe sometimes like like too many things like too many notes or uh, or that like... or just different variations on things um but like how did it work in the manx then for you because you know <laughs> <laughs> that was a whole i don't know i we could do a whole talk about that all day long i don't know or, or i mean cool. even like screaming chickens and stuff i mean i'm not disrespecting those bands i like those bands but um oh yeah i don't know anything I, screaming chicken oh am i not supposed to talk about that um oh you're not in that band we can cut it out right <laughs> okay cool yeah, you gotta cut make everybody a note. knows you're in that band nobody knows, nobody knows. I, i'm <laughs> denying it up and down every time what about in Manx? And then wonder what the guy in Screaming Chicken does. <laughs> yeah. It's not you. Why were you bringing that guy? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what he does. Yeah, that's weird. I, I don't know why I even mentioned that band. In the Manx, though, like you had, um, you know, I mean, it, it didn't seem like fucked up in the ADD kind of way. Like you're just like, oh yeah, it's, the whole thing, the whole package was weird. Yeah. Right? So I mean, gosh, I I I could give you my whole musical history and um and why I ended up doing the Manx and its evolution and the things I was doing before the Manx, which was a lot more like Def Club, um, which was I, this band called Razzle Blaster that I had right before the Manx. And then that kind of fizzled and I was like, fuck, man, that was, it just took so much out of me. Um, 
trying to get like a proper like nasty weirdo band off the ground just trying out tons of members from craigslist and stuff so anyways um, <laughs> yeah, like, there's, your, there's your downfall right oh there. god yeah lots of stuff so i ended up simplifying things and doing folk punk so the manx i don't know if you guys even know this but yeah. i played banjo accordion yeah. at stand-up bass yeah um which <clears> i unplugged. think I, I think i saw you with your modified banjo it was oh, a guitar right. but it had a banjo thing hooked up to it or something i think maybe one of the times you came saw yeah. us i maybe was still playing an acoustic banjo but we were playing through like synth pedals no i saw shit. you play through a guitar but it yeah. had banjo that was toward the end strings yes. or something and then that evolved into like a weird like five string guitar with with eight string um a fat ass eight string banjo thing like the manx was just a hodgepodge of all kinds of garbage yeah um <laughs> in and, a good way but like garbage is the fact in the fact that you were like experimenting and, it was and very making, experimental yeah. like from from the beginning because i never played folk music before until the very end because i was composing for electric accordion stand-up bass five vocals all this stuff um wow. So he's a he's a secret weapon. He's yeah. he's a genius. Well, I don't know about that at all because um, so is everybody in this band. <laughs> um, is how I feel. But so yeah, I don't even know where we are, or where we where we're going right now. Where were we? I don't know. Yeah. But it's funny though because like on the Def Club LP, which I think is fine and it has a couple good songs on it, but I think it wasn't until like we wrote the new EP where I was like, oh, finally we're figuring it out because I, I there's parts of the LP where I'm like dude everybody's just soloing this is like not acceptable you know mm. like and, and when i say everybody i mean also the drums like it's mm. just like dude what the fuck man like someone needs to pick a lane and yeah like, kind of roll with it like maybe but i mean you can do that like i mean bands like the locust or dillinger escape plan or or i mean there's a ton of bands that have just been like or phantom Oss, whatever just like shit right. you're just like what the fuck is happening non-stop yeah. you know like so um not that yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. Like, like I was. I, I guess I was just like, we gotta f f figure it out and like reel someone in. Like everybody can solo, but not at once, you know. And that was kind of like what was happening. I think. Yeah, yeah. It's tough. Sometimes you have to pull back from the composition, and because you're always so in it as a an instrumentalist too, I think, and you just want to be fucking going all the time. Especially if you're inspired by weird, crazy music like The Locust, Phantomas, Dillinger, and all this stuff, which I grew up on completely so it something happened in my brain a while ago where i'm like if i'm not go doing all this crazy stuff all the time it's not it's too boring you yeah. know but it's like you pull back and something like the new ep that we're working on it's like oh there's very just like kind of simple um consistent cyclical parts that that's all it needs to be and now we're finally kind of like or like hitting. stuff where there is like a mid-tempo and you're like yeah. oh there's a there's like a there's a normal drum beat like right. that a normal, a normal human being not would play. soloing yeah. and then and then there's these two cool sounds and guitars that are that are coming together in harmony somehow that's so cool yeah uh you get to actually enjoy it because there's some space there and yeah and it's funny too because i do i think for me spe specifically like co like coming from like locust kind of stuff i i do like even with luke like will when he'll like make these planet b songs and and i'll be like oh this sounds crazy and then we'll we'll start fucking with tracks and like He'll layer it with like a gazillion things and I'll, and I'll never know I'll never be like whoa there's like some shit hidden in there that I can't hear until you isolate it right and then I'll, I'm like so maybe when you or you are writing you know Luke or or, or you when you guys are writing your your, your stuff you're, you you don't you're in it you know where like uh, fresh ears would be like that's cool just stop there right like, you're good and <laughs> yeah. then instead you added fucking four other things on top of it and you're like I don't know what happened yeah and, and yeah 
I think he, that happens uh, a lot. Yeah. I mean, that's sometimes. part of, of the process of even just because Tommy joined us during the LP mm-hmm. and wrote all his parts. And it was, you know, basically the beginning of the pandemic and all that shit. And it was like, we were trying to learn these songs or trying to write all these things and trying to figure out pedals and, and build from there. But he has like the perspective of like, he wasn't even on the first EP and he loves the oh, first e- oh, the EP. EP. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that was kind of just like, five right. minutes of just going yeah. at it like but, it's, but it is just... very simple in a sense you're like i think that's because i'm a poser and and like <laughs> you know pop music is like I, I think like no matter what like you you need to have some sort of like hook or something mm-hmm, yeah. that that you enjoy and you can remember and that other people can remember because if you're just playing sloppily like anyone could just do anything and make noise you know there has to be a purpose uh, to what you're doing you know or a purpose what do you mean well, some people just like they they have feedback during their entire set because they don't know how to manipulate feedback or uh-huh. whatever. Where Tommy and I were talking about this actually like the other day, where, where we want to have um, organized chaos. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have a, a a sense of chaos where you're about to go over the edge, but you don't quite go there. You know, where you're you're pushing people. You know, you want them to feel like holy shit, what's happening uh-huh. right now. But you have to be able to replicate that every time, you know, because if you have control over the chaos, then you're essentially you're a wizard. And it's yeah. not ta- chaos. Yeah. yeah. But then it's just tension. Right. Is that a better word? Maybe. Sure. Chaos, sure. chaos is like untethered. You're just like, oh, what the fuck's happening? You know, Some, like... sometimes it's chaos, <laughs> just depending on, on the sound on the stage. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. if you can't hear anything else, you know, well, sometimes we're not actually playing chords. We're just playing the actual pedals, you know, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You totally. know, the effects or, or an oscillator or something weird, you know. Well, what's and, that? Oh, go on. Sorry. Or like Jason and, and Scott will be basically carrying you know the song while we're doing our thing you know yeah and we we come back and but so he, when you come back people are like oh but even know? with scott though it's like he you, we gotta reel him in because that guy just writes shit that he can't even play later on you're just <laughs> like you wrote that complicated thing like but that's why he doesn't like playing the old songs yeah, now you know yeah. but now it's it's we're going towards i think uh, like you said for the new ep going towards something that is a little bit more um t- tailored you sure. Know, like we're, we're picking a lane. We're finding a finding or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. So yeah. <clears throat> I don't want to throw either of you guys under the under your own buses because I know, but like your jam, like okay, Tommy, your jam's Guar, right? And For and, sure. then, and then Brian, your jam's Nirvana. Yeah. So fuck, I mean not fuck Guar, but like Guar, whatever. <laughs> but with Nirvana, and I don't, I don't, I think you hate Nirvana, right, Luke? Absolutely. Yeah. So he hates them. I don't hate Nirvana. I I kind of hate like the vocals a, li- a lot i guess um but i i like the groove and i, I like just so you know i did a lot of kurt cobain vocals on this lp or the ep actually mm. oh yeah, yeah. The, the the style of nirvana and, mm-hmm. and i don't know i never heard that yeah but but what i, what I was gonna say before you interrupted me <laughs> uh, no but i mean like so like for nirvana i think um you just walked yeah. in <laughs> <laughs> Um, like for, for Nirvana stuff, I, 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 you know, I thought, okay, it's fine. Like, never mind, it's fine. But it was like when Inunero in came Utero, out, yeah, I was like, yeah. oh, because they had the groove and the hook, but then there was nastiness on it. And I, and I thought there's no way that Nirvana could have done that mm-hmm. record as their, their first major album. Like Nirvana, right. uh, Nevermind had to come out before to get everyone hooked into it and get them all fucking, you know, hooked on the Nirvana train. And then they were like, here you we go. Do whatever we want. Yeah. And then they fucked it up. And I think that was a really cool and beautiful thing because there's parts of that record where I'm like, this sounds like 
you know, the fucking early black dice or something like where you're just like, wow, there's like this feedback is so brutal and like not pleasant in a, in a great artistic way, you know? And I think that like, I see that in, in, in your playing a lot. So there's that. But then like with you, like Tommy, I don't see like where I don't, I don't feel like you're just like, check out this kind of like scum dogs. Riff, no. you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, well they're, yeah. I mean, but you took a lot from like, Buckethead and you know yeah like, I have you, so many you, you play guitar yeah. much better than Def Club allows <laughs> <laughs> um sure um, <laughs> um but kind of going back to what Brian was saying earlier about not being punk enough or not being this enough or not being that enough but he really enjoyed a little bit of everything and kind of drew from all these different places maybe even unexpected places that and that's like you know, that makes up who you are now creatively as an artist. It's very much that same way for me. I mean, like, and again, I can, it's too much to get into, but like I grew up on my first thing was crisscross when I was (laughs) seven years old or something. That was the first music I ever really heard. My parents didn't listen to music in the house. It was always like sports radio. My mom was at work all the time. I never even heard music really until like crisscross. And I was some kid at school had it. Fuck yeah, crisscross. And then, (laughs) and then it was like, Whatever, I'm not going to go down the whole thing, but then it was like metal in my teen years. I didn't discover punk until I moved to L.A., really, so I was like 20 years old working at this place called Scooby's Hot Dogs on Hollywood Boulevard. <laughs> Everyone there were all these punk kids with tattoos and chains and shit, and, and I was like, oh, Oingo Boingo, what is this? <laughs> Just like Devo, um, Crucifix, Fear. This is the first time I heard this stuff when I was 20, so kind of yeah. late to the game because... In my teen years, it wasn't like hard enough. It was like, what's this punk stuff? It's just kind of like light and kind of, yeah. but I didn't get it until a little bit later um, of how like the attitude and how disgusting it could be. Um, so, so that said, yeah, I mean, like, I love Guar, but like, you know, musically, that's, it's just part of, maybe theatrically, that's like, you know, that the thing a- that I'm trying to bring to the table more with maybe some of the other projects I'm doing. Okay. Um, yeah, like the one that you're not in. Screaming Chicken. Yeah, yeah. several other projects that <laughs> yeah. I'm not doing. Yeah. But I do think there's a lot of things in, in punk rock, like a lot of punk rockers won't be like, oh, yeah, B-52s is punk as fuck, yeah. you know, Blondie, or or yeah. it's like that's now people look at it and it's like, oh, that's pop music or whatever because mm-hmm. it's it's so, you know, well-known. Widely yeah. accepted. But, stuff, yeah. you know, Talking Heads and like art punk stuff yeah. and all those things, like those are super valid. You I know, mean, you know, it's not it. really like punk when it's on a car commercial you're just like oh okay you know so stuff like ramones or 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 the sex pistols don't sound inherently punk now but 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 for the time they had to start it you know and it was and i do think that talking heads and and even like coming back to like like fucking guar was definitely punk i mean you made it didn't sound like punk rock and nirvana same thing i mean nirvana fucked up a lot of things in a cool punk ass way and i think that was like really important and and i think that like even with like the stuff that Luke is always like bringing to the table with like elements of hip hop and stuff, I'm like, this is fucking punk. Like yeah. this shit is. I so mean, hip hip hop and punk are like the, the most same. valid forms of of music in the last like three four decades. You know, the most important as far as like you know anything that's come out recently, like game changing or 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 redefining stuff. I think maybe mm-hmm. like redefining music. I, I suppose Absolutely, you know yeah. for the, those two genres. And, and then, yeah, because a lot of times when someone's like, this isn't punk or that isn't punk, it's like, but they're referencing shit that really is just like the the quintessential, like, oh, yeah, like this is yeah. supposed to be punk. But it, I like the stuff that's not supposed to be the hidden shit where you're just like, oh, yeah, that actually is, you know, because the, the, the tattoos and the chains and shit 
like aren't really, you know? Right. And it's yeah, funny absolutely. because the people that are holier than thou, it's like, I wonder like how many people would say the crucifix aren't punk. You know, if you, let's say remove them from, they were on alternative tentacles, like, right. If they mm. weren't on alternative tentacles, probably people would have dismissed them forever. But that fucking band, it, it, that was a game changer. They were the most fucked up punk rock band. Or, yeah. You know, like whatever. So I think that's like a, a, a pretty, um, important, um, I guess like detail on things like what, what really is punk? Because I think when you start dismissing shit and like trying to be holier than thou, then, then you're just, you already fucked up and yeah. you're just, you're the poser, you're the fuckhead. And like, you should just, yeah. Yeah. Gatekeepers. Gate gatekeepers yeah. yeah. Totally. Elitism and punk rock is, is a weird, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a no go for me. I mean, it's <laughs> even for power violence. Like I always, I mean, that's just such crazy genre in itself because who coined that term eric wood and eric wood says like the only power violence bands are the ones that i think he rambles off on that man is a bastard crossed out split he says like he said it's the first time he says like i think he says like power violence and he says like capitalist casualties and crossed i don't know even know a bands i can't remember but he like and he said that's it and then it became a thing and everyone's like because i i, I constantly was always told like the locust isn't power violence the locust isn't grindcore the locust isn't this and i'm like you're right. Yeah. Suck a dick. We're not any of that shit. And yeah. though you don't care or we're all of it and you're the loser and it doesn't matter, you know, like, cause it really doesn't matter. And like, I don't want to be this and I don't want, you know, you guys to be the thing that they said you should be, you know, like at the, at the hot dog place or whatever, you know, yeah. like just do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. That's, that's the thing I have trouble keeping up with. Even in these conversations is like genres and like, this is a D beat, but it's not quite like crust enough or whatever. I'm just like, I don't even know. I just yeah. like all this stuff and uh, yeah like yeah. Def Club is hardcore and I'm like all the other hardcore bands are hardcore and I don't know what we are you yeah know? like we're we're much weirder you know just the, the sh just the pedals alone you know differentiate us just uh, us now doing three vocals all these things you know it's uh, the it's a subject matter that we talk about isn't necessarily hardcore hardcore seems really testosterone driven and sort of masculine and whatever and it's like uh, I always just got kind of got beat up by these dudes. Yeah. Like I, I, like I don't really, you know, I don't yeah. know. Well, there's like a lane that people have found, and they just stay in it. And I think that like for me, it's funny when we're at rehearsal. I'm always like, I want to play the fucking crusty D beat shit, but then put like the sci-fi guitar sounds on top of it. You know, yeah. like like what would you know discharge and melt banana sound like together? Like that's the band that I want to be in. You know, like marry these two things and then make something new. Like mm -hmm. that's cool. Uh, you know, where I think a lot of people are maybe afraid to to do that yeah and people like to just kind of like jump on and sound like everyone else that's the majority of music and like i have a hard time getting down with any of that stuff like for a long time i had trouble finding new bands to listen to because uh it needed to be a hundred percent something that didn't sound like something else so uh -huh. like and i was like super snobby because of that so i was always on the hunt for like something that just didn't exist yet except for the in this one place like Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum or something like uh, that. Like or Buckethead was like, What the fuck is this guy? Like he's doing noise stuff. The Locust was one of those, you know, like Dillinger, just stuff that's like you can only go to this one place to get it. But then that shut me off from listening to a ton of different bands because I don't know, all these ones over here, they just kinda of sound like the same as all these other same. ones over here, you know? Um, I don't listen to music. I hate music. I <clears throat> fucking totally hate it. Yeah, me too. Yeah? <laughs> I'm just here all fucking day. So when I'm, like, when I hear music, I'm like, fuck. Yeah. Like, I just want peace and quiet and, like, nothing. Or, like, classical music is, like, I can just do that all day. Yeah. 
But I do relate with you, but not noise-wise. Like, my hatred for Nirvana mm-hmm. stems from, one, being really high <laughs> in junior high. And I was in a jazz band, and I was just, like, all into, like, learning. I went from, like, metal and classical and jazz. And I remember just being so high and just, like, thinking of jazz music and all the notes and all these fucking chords and then Nirvana comes with jung jung and, I'm, yeah, and yeah. everybody <laughs> fucking loved it yeah, and yeah. I was just remember just being so high and being like just staring at the world and everybody loving this shit wow. and it was like there's so much like I'm like people are getting dumber, dumber and dumber yeah. and the music is like <laughs> declining but over the years uh-huh. it's like with like Michael Jordan, I can give a shit about him, but I know he was a great basketball player. Mm-hmm. So I know what Nirvana did for music and I know the mark that they made. It's just I cringe because it takes me back. Mm. So yeah. maybe it wasn't yeah. even like Nirvana's fault. They were just the one that- No, they were doing their yeah. thing. It, it was, was an implication yeah. of like just the thing, shitty things yeah. that were to come or the-, the Totally. I, I the evolution of people. Uh, I, know, I know I get a lot of shit from everyone, but I feel the same way about the Beatles. Mm-hmm. I just kind of just never got into them, you know. So we're from Argentina, you know. My parents are from Argentina, and I grew up with like opera, like Luciano Pavar- mm-hmm. Pavarotti, and and sort of uh, Fabuloso Skylax and ska and reggae and Lee Scratch Perry and all these like other uh-huh. other elements everywhere, you know. And and there's so many things musically that you could get into where punk is just one thing and and yeah i love it but i don't listen to it ever when i'm at home you know i'm not ever like like if i'm in a tour van and we're listening to like like they were listening to slipknot the other time that we were coming up and i was just like my brain was just like dude i can't just listen to heavy music all the time you know and uh but (laughs) (laughs) but even like you know i got into like uh bitches brew and miles davis and uh you know maggot brain and all these like records that kids really didn't like or frank zappa or like you know sonic youth was a huge influence on me besides nirvana too and and sort of uh drone music and you know sort of experimental things and and i think there's so many valid forms of music and if you just limit yourself you're just going to mm-hmm. create a very limited mm-hmm. amount of music as well so like those, if you only listen to this you're just going to that's where you're going to yeah, yeah, yeah shit it out later you yeah. know and so I do think Def Club, there's like some things that I could pinpoint that I'm like, oh, that's a little bit of like my Latin heritage. You know, that's Spanish. That that groove right there is from me listening to these bands, you know, uh. and where other people might not catch it. But some of my friends, you know, that have known me forever, they'll, they'll be like, hey, I heard that song. This sounds like, you know, this uh. from this band. I'm like, oh, you caught it, you know. Um, you know, like there's a lot of experimental bands like Café Tacuba, you know, they did a lot of great experimental records. Um, Caifanes, Jaguares, all these things that, you know, you grow up with in other countries that influence you as well. And America, you know, it's very limited and it has to sell you these things. Where Nirvana, I think I was eight years old when he died. Mm. And I I wasn't into them, you know. I just remember that they played Unplugged in New York on MTV over there in Argentina. I was living in Argentina. And I was like, oh, I like this band. And I came and I bought the first record, Bleach. And it said, this is Nirvana's first record. So I was like, oh, this must be the best one or whatever. (laughs) And I didn't know. And it was heavy as shit, you know? And then I was like, all right, well, this is not the one that has the single. Smells like Teen Spirit. But then I got into so many other things because of that, you know? Um, And I also just hated cock rock, you know? I hated Motley Crue. I hated Guns N' Roses. I hated all this, like, Sunset Strip fucking bullshit, Mm -hmm. you know? Which I think, like, 
there's more there's more of an important thing than like the actual notation and the in this and the structure of the songs like the the cultural relevance which i think nirvana played a big part they were they were going against something that i think needed to happen and it and it created it was this thing that happened it needed to happen in the the lineage of of, of music you know I, in general just gr- grunge even you know when you take something or even like Sinead o'connor ripping the pope picture you mm-hmm. know on snl or pearl jam writing you know uh, pro-choice on their arms or like bikini kill and riot girl, riot girl you know was a the big, riot yeah. girl movement and and how uh sort of feminist movements and punk rock movements and sort of olympia washington not mm-hmm. just seattle mm-hmm. washington but olympia you know k records yeah. and all these other things and those are like important forms where a lot of like hardcore kids they're like they hate female fronted quote-unquote or or just any female bands they're just like yeah they're all right for girls but if it was you know guys they'd be much better and you're just like yeah. you fucking suck dude like <laughs> yeah. hardcore bros are just you know they're sort of just annoying in that way and um i just always i i wanted to not be a bro i wanted to not be masculine i didn't want to be like just a dude you know so i i, I got into music that i guess is you know not considered that as you know metal was heavier I, I i did get into like corn and some of that new metal stuff for a little bit but i got out of it real quick because it's like this is <laughs> bullshit like you know there's some good bands like like rage against the machine you know the politics and stuff like that but for the most part you know if you see that documentary on woodstock or you know oh, yeah. you're like mm-hmm. oh this yeah. fucking sucks this era of music suck yeah. and it was a big wasteland for a long time you know that'll yeah. make that documentary will make you not like music oh yeah. like for Dude, there's so many things in there that just were just terrible, and I'm like, I why am I even a human being? This is a boner, dude. I don't want to be part of this thing, yeah, c- culturally or whatever. It's but, weird. I mean, it's it is funny though. Like, I I do appreciate the sneaking in of things. Like, even when when Luke was putting together the Satanic Planet tracks, like there's a cumbia on there, and it's like yeah, that's yeah. like, I guarantee you, uh, 99.4% of the Satanic, you know satanist or whatever you know like don't know like that's cumbia you know they're probably just like hail satan you know and there's like a there's like this awesome cumbia but but i think if you take it like uh you know a lot of goth kids like a lot of people let's say like cholo goth right Mm -hmm. you know if if you take cholo goth and and is that a real thing then like or is it i thought it was just well no i mean if you just take like punk rock latinos Mm-hmm. basically uh-huh. you know and and you're like oh yeah like i like morrissey or the cure or bauhaus or joy division or whatever and you put that in a satanic planet song like i guarantee there's a good amount of latin people that are listening to that song and going like oh yeah I, this is a cumbia you know uh-huh. what i mean like mm-hmm. i'd be able to pick out like this is a cumbia you know like or yeah. this is a salsa rhythm or this is a whatever but that's because i grew up with it you know yeah. so i think there's definitely a bunch of kids that are being represented when you throw those things uh-huh. in you know um even. But I wonder, like, because maybe I mean, not to like date uh, everybody here, but like for I mean, maybe for like Luke and I, like, or I don't know, maybe like when I was growing up, I remember like being able to go to the record store and I would buy, you know, I could buy like, um, let's see, like, uh, Lard and Bauhaus, and it would be that would make sense, you know, or like, you know, what is that like industrial and 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 like goth and yeah. and, and like it just and and I was a punker with a mohawk, like that all like makes sense to me, like, but I feel like the younger generation like like people that were like 10 years younger than me like didn't have the sort of ability to do that it was like you it was everything was like very more like structured and more narrow like you had to fit into this like realm of stuff yeah do you, do you see that like did you guys see that when you were in, going up? in middle school everyone yeah. the same thing we were talking about yeah it's like if you, i i was wearing doc martens one time but i also had like 
kind of like baggy skater jeans and some this dude is like what 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 are you a skater or a rocker like he said that he <laughs> yeah. was like con- visibly confused why can't over you this. be both yeah yeah i'm yeah. just like i don't know i just like thought this was cool <laughs> but for me growing up skaters and rockers were this it was the yeah, same thing yeah 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 i don't know so there were always these gatekeepers i don't know yeah it's confusing and i, I haven't really expended any energy on ever trying to like adhere to anything i just kind of do my thing i, I, I think now though uh like kids are more open to it you know uh yeah it feels that way at least because like at the record store at midnight hour when kids come in and they buy different things i'm like whoa like you like this old stuff you like this new stuff like but they'll still be jamming on selena and vicente fernandez Mm -hmm. and julio iglesias and all these like spanish things that they grew up with because of their parents you know and I appreciate my parents in, in that respect because, you know, my mom liked like T-Rex and David Bowie and Queen and my dad was like, you know, opera and Argentine folk music and stuff like that. And but they let me do my own thing, except, you know, then Sergio, my brother, he got into punk and went like started wearing all black and you know crusty stuff and, and he got arrested and then my dad took away all our black clothing. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, nope, no, no more black clothing. You guys are going to get in trouble. And it was like. Uh, we just got into every every sort of music. I didn't even know music. I would go to Tower Records and buy an album just because of the cover, cover mm-hmm. or yeah. the, the the titles yeah. of the songs. Yeah. Totally. And I, I would, bought I a lot of bad records that and way a lot of bad records <laughs> yeah. for sure. But Tower Records was the jam. You could go there and be like, well, "This <laughs> is some weird ass shit." Yeah. Like that's cool. I got arrested there too, but <laughs> <laughs> most of my friends did. Yeah, you did. No. No, you didn't no. get arrested there. No. Oh. No, I got away. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> but you would have. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's funny because, uh, like for me, it was a couple things. Like I, I remember you you brought up um, you brought up Total Chaos, right? Mm-hmm. I remember um, my first band Struggle played with them, and I thought they were cool looking. You know, I thought they were fi- like they were fine or whatever. I think I had one of their records, and I was I was like, they're cool, like they're they're punks. And I went to this um, there was this Long Beach Anarchist convention at the at the college, like it, like Long Beach. I don't know what it was, the university right there by the start of the freeway, like mm-hmm. that, that college. And, um, you know, it was like all these classes and you could go learn about like anarchism and, and feminism and animal rights, all the all the important things that I think I was 16, I guess, that I needed to learn. And I remember like going to the classes and like, cool, like this is like I'm going to learn these things. I'm going to like talk to these people and like and educate myself and, and total chaos showed up the the singer i forgot his name you know and he looked cool as fuck you know like spiked hair and whatever and, and he was like talking some shit to one of his bandmates and and they they like kicked him and they're like talking you know like whatever he's and like the dude started crying and shit and it was mm. like fuck you and it was like man like <laughs> i was like punk is dead you know yeah. like this is like this is some bullshit and and, I, and it was it was really important to like to be able to see these people that were that were that were my i don't want to say my peers but they were like you know they were like a bit older than me and they were the people that were kind of like like the, he was very popular and i was like he's a fucking moron like yeah, yeah. i'm gonna do my thing and and like not that i'm cooler or whatever but i you know it was like it was really i really needed to see that happen this guy get embarrassed mm. because then i could say like oh because my my other friends like born against and downcast and stuff like they're the real punks they're the ones that i can like totally relate to and respect and that are respectable human beings they're not a fucking joke you know they're not like a commodity and that was the cool thing you know and they didn't look like they didn't yeah like street you know sammy feeders yeah. like didn't look as cool as the guy from total chaos but like sammy feeders is fucking awesome like and you can't there's there's like there's no competition the other guy's a chump you know like 
there it is. Like I, I already figured it out. Like it's 16. <laughs> and I was like so grateful for, for that, you know? So I don't know. Those lessons are, are important. I think where you can like almost like destroy what you're supposed to look at as an idol or, or, or something, you know? Yeah. Um, just sort of staying true to yourself. Um, the longevity factor also, if you play in, in bands long enough, then you're like, all right, well, at least I'm, I'm in it. And I'm, you know, you're not making money. You're not in it for this, but you have to do it. And, you know, all those kids that like, you know, called you names or whatever, or like, you know, beat you up. It's like, oh, what are they doing? They got nine to five jobs and they're doing bullshit. You know, like <laughs> sucks for you drinking Bud Light at home, dude. Like, I don't know. <laughs> you know. But, but also like, I think on a cultural relevant level, like, because I remember like, I remember being out, <clears throat> fuck, I forgot how, I, I, I was probably 13 or 14. And I went to see, um, I mean, this is the craziest time. I remember like I went to see the Texas Chainsaw Massacre three in the movie theater with my friend Jose Palafox, who's he's Mexican. He has a mohawk. He looks like a he looks like we both looked pretty. I had like blue hair. We looked like very punk rock. And um, my mom, um, you know, she uh, was an alcoholic and and didn't and didn't pick us up from the theater. So we were like stuck at this movie theater and we had to we had to walk um like from the sports arena to Claremont. It was a long time, you know, yeah. it was like 10 o'clock at night and we're, you know, these two like 13 year old kids and we get pulled over by the cops, you know, and the cops are like, like immediately start making fun of us, you know, like what the fuck, like, what are you guys not, are you guys skinheads? And like, I was wearing a Nazi punks fuck off shirt, you know, and I'm like, okay, you know, and then Jose has a gigantic mohawk, you know, and I'm like, we're clearly not skinheads, you know, what are you guys fags? And we're like, well, I mean, I guess you could call us that. I mean, that, that would be like the, the obvious thing didn't say like, we're straight or what, you know, like whatever, yeah. but we did say we fucking hate Nazis, you know, like right. put two and two together. And so I, I, but I, but I started figuring out like the, the, the like cultural relevance of, of punk rock, you know, and punk. And that was a, that was an important lesson as well. Like to, to go like, um, you know, against stereotypes and norms and, and, and authority figures and, and things like that, which, which I think were, were important to learn and, and, and then try to like find the nuances of uh, navigating through life with, with those things musically or, or just culturally, you know? So, yeah, I don't know. That was, that was, a that was, a those are weird ones, but you mentioned fear. I think that was a really good, a good, that's a great example too, because they are kind of like almost like the quintessential punk band because of the, the like nastiness. Yeah. But if you listen to their records, they're so fucking tight. Mm, they, yeah. they have like, a lot of jazz shit like they're way they're kind of like the dead kennedys where you're like dude dead kennedys were really talented like yeah. they weren't just dicking around mm -hmm. like i don't know what's a band that just like you know i mean no offense but like ramones weren't like that yeah. technically proficient or 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 like minor threat wasn't like that you know but when you look at like dead kennedys or 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 or, or fear or something where you're like dude the musicianship is intense and they're doing interesting stuff too that you don't hear from any other bands but so. did they get yeah. I, I wonder if people were like jello you're not a punk you know you're like what the fuck you know like you can't like maybe it was different then you know maybe you could get away with get, get away with it i guess at that point but i wonder if other genres of music have that you know i wonder if hip-hop where people are like you're not hip-hop or you're not this you know like I think it. Uh, I think all music probably does. It's just the snobs yeah. who, like you said, who try to define it. Once you define it, then you're kind of like, uh, that's like I would get it if I if it was like country, and he'd be like, yeah, that's not hip hop. Yeah, fucking of course it's not hip hop. But I don't know. But now they did that. What's his name? Did was it Little Nas X? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Country <laughs> Road, and it blew up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but that was, and I don't really like that music. But I think like, damn man, that's the. I'm I'm glad that guy oh. did it. Like that's cool. Like yeah. that needed to happen. I think it depends in every 
every genre. I mean, hip hop too. It's like you have like conscious hip hop, you have experimental hip hop, industrial hip hop. You have, so you could still fit into like these little weird things. Like I always like Saul Williams as a lyricist more. I like Cool Keith because he was weird. You know, Doctor Octagon, all these like weirdo takes on hip hop. Uh-huh. You know, and it's like oh, that's that's a lot of fun. You know, and, I think it's more like there's punk hip hop. I think the only style that people fans don't budge is probably metal. Yeah. Like oh, metal yeah, fans yeah. are true to metal and if you fucking <laughs> stray away you're a faggot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like yeah, they get real fuck uppity about it. Yeah. Well, then that's weird too because like how do you feel about Guar? Because that's metal and they they I mean, I wonder how they navigate in their in their career. I don't know, you know, they're one in a million, you know? Like they're yeah. they're the only ones doing exactly that particular brand and then yeah. coming with Ghoul. But Ghoul is completely derivative of Guar. Oh, sure, sure, yeah. 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 Um, but they were friends, right? They were like Yeah, for sure. I they mean, did yeah. they did the the costumes for Guar and then they started Ghoul, yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's true. I know Guar has their own slave pit, and they do whatever, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But Guar, I mean, Odorous, Dave Brocky was such a smart lyricist. I don't know if you guys are familiar with his Uh stuff, really. Like, But there's, like, the satire. The satire. It's so hilarious and depraved and meant to throw America's bullshit back in its own face. And it works every time and pisses people off and makes people think about all these issues from... A to Z, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was another thing too. Is I saw Guar in in Tijuana when I was um, like around fourteen, I guess, or fifteen. And I remember um, there was this place Iguanas, and mm-hmm. there was always neo Nazis there, and it was crazy that these skinheads would show up there. And um, I don't know how. I don't know if it was like part of Guar's like thing that they always did, or that like or like that Nazi skinheads were showing up at their shows. Oh. But so you know, for one, we're in Mexico, and there were like they were not they were Nazis. They had swastikas on their shirts and shit like that, and they were sea kiling, you know. And so part of the Guar like shtick for this set was they brought out this skinhead, and he was sea kiling, and he had yeah. pink suspenders. Yeah, yeah. So you know about that? Yeah. The, yeah, they do that. Yeah. It was fucking awesome. Yeah, and then because, they chop up his head yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Because he was gay. Oh, oh, and oh! Then, I don't remember. I yeah. know I've seen that, but well, I've so the skinhead comes out and he's like sea kiling, wow. and all the skinheads are sea kiling, and they're like, "Fuck yeah!" And and then so they're like, I don't know which which guy, the main guy in Guar was like, "Wait a minute, he's a fag, or he's are gay," yeah. and they chopped his head off. And then the neo Nazis in the crowd were bummed, right? And it wasn't that Guar was like homophobic; they were just trying to fuck with these shitheads and they did a great job because yeah. i watched all of them just get bummed and get super violent yeah you know i mean that might have not been the um what they were trying to go for but like i just think they wanted to yeah say something and they did and and i maybe it wouldn't wouldn't really work in in 2021 or 2022 that's coming up but like i think that it was like they they made a they made a a, a point to fuck with this chunk of their audience and yeah. i think that was really cool you know and also yeah. it's like they were it's like yeah you are they are a metal band and they're they're a gimmicky and and sci-fi monstery why are nazis here like this doesn't make sense like it's not really for them like right it was, so well that's the thing too i mean think i think metal brings a lot of people who aren't hip to the joke to the shows and then a lot of people just testosterone and things yeah and guar too I, I, it's tough to say because they're i feel like yeah there are fans who like really get Oh, there's a lot more to this. It's intellectual on on like a deep level, and then there are people who are just like, "Oh, monsters, blood, cool," <laughs> yeah. you know. And then those yeah. people are intermingling. Yeah. Uh, but I think I the be- the best form of music is 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 sort of 
bands that kind of take the piss out of the crowd a little bit too. yeah absolutely you know, they kind of you have to have that you know it's like but what about like um like you know i, I love judas priest and i and i think um rob halford's awesome and he's a great singer and i think that you know like um was it pain reliever painkiller what's the song anyhow pain yeah, yeah. painkiller that's a killer song you know and anyhow he's great san diego you know pride right there but he you know like if you watch um um heavy metal parking lot is that mm-hmm. what, yeah there's like you know like there, there's one woman that they're interviewing and they're like kk dowling or whatever his name is like i'd bone him or but but rob i don't know and it's like because he's i mean he's gay yeah. like but it, no one knew at the, yeah, the no time. One at that time but but it was cool how like it it, it became it became okay for them i mean maybe they lost member or uh fans but like good I, totally fuck those but it's fans. such a I mean, and like but i mean like you can't fuck with judas priest like they mm-hmm. were like quintessential metal they were really fucking good mm-hmm. and the singer just so happened to be gay like doesn't make them any different and like all those people that bought those records like oh, oh well jokes on them yeah it was like know? a trojan like, horse situation kind of yeah. yeah there's a lot of that asshole shit though i mean they're like oh yeah or with politics especially like oh musicians shouldn't be political it's like punk rock shouldn't you're like, what the fuck are yeah. you talking about? Yeah. Like, have you read those, you know, Rage Against the Machine lyrics? They like, you know, you yeah. see Tom Morello talk shit oh, about. Yeah. Hey, do you not know what this band is about? Yeah. You know, and and even in punk rock, like you have now, conservative punk or you know, sort of like that that whole MAGA punk shit. And you're like, what? How's this punk rock? That's a real. That's a real thing. Just cons- yeah, how they basically they, it's sort of like libertarian punk shit uh, where they're like, we get to say whatever the fuck we want because this is truly punk rock. It's sort of like Gigi uh, Allen type uh, of shit. Like if you come to my shows, I'm going to, you know, rape right. you and shit on you and do whatever <laughs> I want because yeah. this is the real punk uh-huh. rock. And you're like, maybe I'm not punk rock, man. You know, yeah. maybe I don't want those things to happen to other people, you yeah. know, and, uh, you know, or just in general, you know, hardcore kids that are offended when you're like, Hey, we should have a safe space for people. You know, I'm, I'm fully for the whole bikini kill. Like, you know, girls to the front, like you, you should be able to have a safe space and not have a bunch of people, yeah. you know, bust your shit or like, you know, molest you or do all these things. It's, it's fucked but up. But Gigi and... Allen is, I mean, like, sure, yeah, that's yeah. a different excuse <laughs> because like, you know, I feel like that was like, even like, I wouldn't even say it was like nihilism. It's like that was that Gigi had to happen for the sake of cult, whatever kind of culture, you yeah, know? They just but I mean, like, the... you didn't go there. You're like, okay, wait a minute. Like there might be Nazis there. You just like go there and you're like, I'm going to have to just not get someone's human shit on me you yeah, know yeah, like yeah. i don't care if there's a fucking nazi like right, yeah and there right. are a bunch of nazis but like i just don't want to get someone's poop on me you yeah know? And that was like the most <laughs> important thing and, and i think that i think that was like a, 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 a an interesting thing and it wasn't that he was like you know like gg wasn't homophobic you know he fucked his brother and shit you know like that's just, it's like yeah whatever you got you got that going for you so i i wonder like the the maga stuff or whatever you're saying like i you know it's just, it just seems like a bunch of fucking asshole white people yeah they think that they have they should have the ability to offend everyone with whatever lyrics they say and it's like no you're just you're borderline like you know it's like burzum or like you know like sort of black metal nazis you know yeah. and you're just like this is fucking whack dude mm-hmm. like i don't know what's happening right now you know it's like but then again you you, you know are you supposed to take any of this music seriously yeah. you know like or, or screwdriver it's like oh yeah you yeah. guys are all playing like rhythm and blues and, yeah you know like i mean <laughs> and everyone you know people that even defend screwdriver they're like well the first record when they weren't racist is you're like that shit is even worse you know yeah. like the racist stuff at least was funny <laughs> uh, I, I think like that was a joke of a band too and it ended well you know the singer was decapitated you can't fucking you can't beat that <laughs> you know so i don't know hopefully you know 
I think I think you said it or or some one of the things said about Def Club was like at least offend someone or do something you know yeah. like at least get an, an emotion out of someone you know oh yeah if you don't um, yeah apathy lost yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and you're like oh yeah that's, that one's all right indifference you know, like, of everything and that's what i feel about most music it's like indifference i mean i do love a lot of music a lot of underground music and i think music is still very healthy even though youtube and spotify and all these things exist where you know people are fed all this music but you could find it a lot easier now than when we had to go to a record store and just look at song oh, titles yeah. or whatever you know um we're just maybe a lot more picky now or something spoiled I'm not, I'm not really picky no <laughs> i like a lot of music yeah. i don't know yeah it just depends i i don't like you know anything i, I just listen to npr <laughs> i don't i don't get to listen to anything either luke like kind of like you were saying it's like i do music stuff all day long mm-hmm. and then at the end of it i'm just like i can't like digest anymore right now yeah Uh, so i need to take a break pretty much even with like tv i'll find myself analyzing the music like on a commercial and i'm like motherfucker just just chill (laughs) like oh that's that quarter look at that rhythm and i'm like oh just turn this shit off yeah yeah i know it's like constantly working yeah fuck but i think also like things like um netflix and all these things have made me dumber and so i just when I used to be, you know, not only did I listen to weird music, like I would read William Burroughs and, you know, watch weird art house films. And I think that inspired me to be a weirdo more mm. and to write weirdo shit. And, and it sort of translates still where, like, I feel like I should read a lot more now than I've been reading. You know, it would, yeah. it would probably influence, influence us in different ways for how we create things. You oh, know? so you're saying you spend too much time watching stuff? I do now. Yeah. And it, it's it's made it that I'm really lazy and so I'm trying to consciously change that you know and maybe that'll make Def Club a little bit even weirder but who knows you know or I've, just let Tommy write the next album we could do that too <laughs> I, I find myself doing the same thing I kind of just like zone out after because I'm always, we're working all day long on like mm-hmm. me, this band that band uh, record label or shop whatever and then it's just like I just want to like chill out and just like zone out put something on even if it's a movie I've seen 8 million times that's yeah. preferable Cause it's like, oh, it's, this is just keeping me company. It's like an old friend, and I can just like de- decompress for a minute. So reading, the idea of like reading or exercising after a long day of all this stuff is like, fuck. It's a whole thing to like muster up the courage to do. Um, yeah. Because you have to be engaged. Yeah, exactly. Because usually I'll, I'll wrap up work from. It'll be like from when I wake up until like two a.m. or something, and I'll just be like, oh god, I'm like, where am I right now? Yeah. Frazzled. Um, but I haven't, same thing, I haven't been reading, and I think that's, like, largely in part of, like, my lifestyle of just, like, having so many projects lately. Yeah, it's overwhelming. Yeah. But worth it, ultimately, yeah. I think, you know, like, we're still doing what we want to do, and... Yeah, we were talking about that on the way here, it's, like, it's tough being super ambitious. <laughs> and super lazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm a, you know, ambitious procrastinator. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, worst. I'm gonna say, like, I do not, I would never tag you, either of you guys, well... Tommy, there's no way I'd say you're lazy. But Brian, I would never say you're lazy, like ever. Yeah, I feel like I'm super lazy. Wow, man. You're always like, we're going to do this, and we're organizing this, and this thing's happening, and this. And I'm like, whoa, okay, you got it together, man. No, no, it's just because my brain is everywhere, and so I have to write it down and put it in my phone and put notes and do this and organize, or else I just forget everything, you know? Like, uh, also, my phone has just made me dependent on it, you know? Mm -hmm. So. So it's like, wait, when do I practice and when do we do these shows and who do we have to call and when do we post this thing on social media? And it's just fucking, it's it's like, it's programming me versus me programming it, you know? 
It's but you're a great resource to have because if I ever have any questions, I just hit up Brian and, like, and, and I'm like, okay, cool. Brian knows. Brian knows. I'll just hit him up. Yeah. It's very helpful. But that's also why I don't like uh, – so Tommy said something really interesting uh, the other day where he said um, when you're at the studio, it's for rehearsing. And when you're at home, it's for practicing where I never practice at home. Like, I really dislike my guitar. Uh, I don't like touching it. I'm just like, whatever. It's there. You know, I know how to play it. But, like, if I'm not playing with pedals or, like, playing in a live setting with other members and sort of, you know, with a drummer or something, I almost never touch it. And that's – then I get to rehearsal, and I'm like, what was that part mm-hmm. where Tommy doesn't do that? Tommy re- practices at home, and when he gets to rehearsal, he's like, I know all my parts. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. so so it's, it's you know, yeah. It's he's, beneficial. It's beneficial. <laughs> it helps yeah. everyone else in the band, too, because then – they don't have to worry about you learning your part on the yeah. spot and all that stuff. It's just like logistics. It's just everyone doesn't have time. Do you want to join the locust? Because <laughs> I am. You, you're having that trouble. We, are going through, we go through that every time we get together. We're like, oh, yeah. What the fuck? What's you that know? part? Yeah. Yeah. It's just go over it before you come to practice for an hour and then come and you got it. You'll, you'll have but it. Some of us don't have the hour. Before. I know. You got to make the hour. <laughs> it's like making time to read. I got to pee so bad. Okay. Is there a place to go? Yeah, you should pee. And we can just stop right now and you can just pee. And that's then... a great ending. <laughs> <laughs> great. Um, uh, yeah, that's, we'll just end it right there. Thanks. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, thank you guys for having us. Yeah, thank you. All right, there it is. Go pee. Okay, I really got to go. <laughs> I've had to go for a while. Colton Culture is proudly sponsored by Earthquaker Devices. Planet B. Planet B.